Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, July 13th. The latest Bank of Canada rate hike means interest rates are now the highest they've been in 22 years. We speak with Bruce Celery, CEO of Credit Canada, for details on how the bump will impact the average homeowner and what you can do if you're not able to make ends meet. Next, do you plan on rolling up your sleeve for a COVID booster? The National Advisory Committee on Immunization is recommending we roll up our sleeves for the booster this fall. We catch up with infectious disease specialist Dr. Craig Janney from the University of Calgary for details on the vaccine booster and to answer your questions ahead of the fall jab. And finally, it's our mental health moment with mental health advocate and social worker Karen Gallagher-Burt. This week, we discuss the mental health services and support available here in our city. When interest rates spike and Canadians face financial uncertainty, uncertainty, we turn to our friend and financial wizard, Bruce Celery. Bruce is the CEO of Credit Canada and joins us again this morning following the latest rate hike by the Bank of Canada. Hi, Bruce. Hello there. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. More important than ever to chat with you. It is. It is. I wish we had a more fun topic, though. Could Mm -hmm. we say that let's this is going to be the last time we talk about the Bank of Canada? Um, I don't know, for at least eight weeks. How's that? Yeah, I know. Let's hope so. But I mean, our financial guys say that they expect another one coming. There could well be another one. We've got until September 6th. We will hear from the Bank of Canada again at that point after they have spent most of the summer pouring over all the data points that are so important to them, inflation and the job market and all that. But yesterday was an announcement that we expected. Uh, Listen, the commentary was worrying, the concern that the progress on reigning in inflation is starting to stall. (gasps) We do not want to hear that. We would like this... uh, uh, the rate hikes to pause for now and let us all absorb such a massive increase in borrowing costs. Bruce, I can picture you at the front of the classroom with a chalkboard and the chalk. Well, <laughs> now it's a whiteboard. Uh, it's so a smart board. We are, we are in a lecture here and I, and I need you to break it down for us in the plain Bruce Celery English because we get texts on this and it's hard to wrap your head around it. If you've got goo goo gobs of cash, that's great. Prices are high. Mm. But if you're really having a hard time making ends meet and you hear that the reasoning and you got to correct me and, and point us in the right direction here that they do this to dampen spending when we already yeah. have a hard time. How does it exactly work when they bump up a rate? They make it more expensive to borrow. So when they make it more expensive to borrow, if you're a consumer, if you're a business, you think, oh, geez, can I really afford to get that new car? Maybe I could just wait. Maybe I could wait another couple more months. A business is thinking, well, I was going to expand a little bit, but I can't afford the money it's going to cost for me to build out that warehouse or buy that new piece of equipment. So let's just take a bit of a breather. And so What that does is it takes the foot off the accelerator of the economy just a little bit, because when the economy is working too fast, is going too fast, prices rise too quickly and incomes aren't rising. So you have to find that the Bank of Canada and central banks around the world are trying to find that balance of positive economic growth, but not ridiculous economic growth. So they're trying to stop us making big purchases, not me going and buying a new shirt. It's buying a new car or that sort of thing but isn't that doesn't that translate to you know then the car dealerships for example hurt yeah and 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 here's the paradox that's 
what we need to see happen. We need to see things slow. So right now, the unemployment rate is incredibly low. It's hovering around 5%. So anybody who um, you know has the skills and is committed to go out and work and is willing to relocate and all those sorts of things can go find a job. And that's amazing and that's great. But that makes it very, very difficult for uh, businesses to hold their prices as they were last week or the week before because they can't get workers, right? And we've seen this. I mean, Alberta in particular is Mm -hmm. a cyclical economy. There is uh, peaks and valleys here. And in times when the economy is moving so, so quickly, you can't get someone to, you know, provide the basic services in a restaurant. And then in economic slowdowns, there's, you know, jobs galore. So how do you find that balance? It is a very, very difficult uh, dance for the Bank of Canada, for business business leaders, and for consumers. Yeah, for consumers, that's what I want to focus on now, Bruce, because in the numbers vary. It's not a one-size-fits-all, and I'm not sure if they base it on a $500,000 mortgage at a variable rate or, or what, yeah. uh, but we're hearing some folks maybe paying $1,000 more a month uh, yeah. year after uh, for that mortgage. Maybe you've cut out the Netflix. Maybe it's spaghetti night twice a week, and it's just yeah. hamburger. You can't remember the last time you had steak. What else can we do if we're against that wall? I think there are some fundamental questions for affordability, and these are not great questions to ask. The answers are horrendous, but it has you look at the sacred cows of your life and think, all right, what are my expectations here? What sort of a life can I afford to live based on the income that I have? And for Many people, there are still some choices to make to say, well, we can't go on a vacation this year. But for some, it is, can I afford to live in this house? Can I actually afford to live in this house? And if I can't, what am I going to do? Uh, Am I going to live with multi-generations of my family? Am I going to move to a lower cost center? Am I going to make even more dramatic decisions about how my cash flow works every month? None of these um, ideas are appealing. What I will say is in terms of the statistics, the number of Canadians who are you know, on the verge of mortgage default remains very, very low. And that is for one reason, they still have a job, right? And so that's the big concern here is that these interest rate hikes lead to a slowdown in the economy that uh, increases that unemployment rate. And as soon as people don't have jobs, it becomes exceedingly difficult, if not impossible, for them to pay their mortgage. And that's when things get really, really scary. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. People still have jobs. They're still holding on. It's just, it's so exceedingly difficult on a month-to-month basis to pay for the groceries Mm -hmm. and find two cents to rub together for a little bit of pleasure, the deep fried Oreos and the candy floss and all the things I wish I was consuming at Stampede right now. Don't worry, we'll get to Stampede in a moment. Thank you. Uh, But so just is there, do you have any advice then? So if someone's got a mortgage renewal on the horizon, something you can't avoid, what do we do? Do you just, do you lock in for one year kind of thing? Do you try not to go long term? What, What do we do? So I think the most important step as we head into renewals, and this is the thing that that keeps me up at night, it really does, uh, for fixed rate mortgage holders who are moving into a time in which that payment is going to go up, you need to look at your cash flow and be thinking about it over the course of a couple of years, because there's this deluded optimism that those rates are going to come right back down. I don't think they are. 
they're going to hover at these levels for a period of time. And whether that's, you know, two years or five, I don't know. But you need to look at that cash flow and say, okay, here's what's coming in. Here's what's going out based on that new mortgage. And here are the changes that we need to make such that this is sustainable. Uh, so that's the big piece of advice. Whether you uh, lock in on a fixed for a short period of time or whether now you say, listen, I don't think it's going to go up that much higher. So maybe I do move into variable. That is a very, very specific decision for each individual to address. Um, listen, it has been the people on adjustable rate mortgages who have seen this most clearly because they get a note from their bank every single time there's a hike and they have a new payment every single time there is a hike. Uh, for fixed rate borrowers, they haven't felt that yet and they're going too soon. Mm -hmm. Wow. Incredible, incredible points, Bruce. We appreciate that. Now back to the corn dogs, cotton candy, Budweiser, <laughs> oh tight jeans, oh, yeah. Oreos. Mm. I, I know that you uh, have, you have a, a strong connection to Calgary. I'm wondering yeah. if you've come out this year, if you're coming out this year, or if you try to come to Calgary Stampede when you get a chance. And what's your favorite oh. food? Oh my God. Okay. So I was at Stampede. Uh, I was at Stampede last year. And what I will say is for the first time ever, I got one of those uh, invites to the fancy dancy corporate events, which, you know, I feel so lucky that I got to, you know, go behind the ropes and whatever, but the food they have at those, it's not the, the trashy stuff that I love and that we talk about, but I think I didn't appreciate how great the food was. Nobody told me how great the food is. Like, really, really good food. There's the trashy food that I love. But there's also really extraordinary food served at so many different venues mm -hmm. if you do happen to be lucky enough to know someone who knows someone who knows someone. Otherwise, stick with the deep fried Oreos. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and go to the grandstand show. you got to go to the grandstand Always. show. Thank you so much, yeah. Bruce. Always appreciate your time and your uh, your inspiration, really, because I think a lot of people oh, are feeling it right now after that, that latest announcement yesterday. Thanks so much for joining yeah. us. There is hope. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bruce Celery, CEO of Credit Canada. You can find him online. Go to his website, moolala.ca, and also creditcanada.com. NACI, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, is recommending we roll up our sleeves for a COVID booster shot this fall. Joining us to discuss is Dr. Craig Janney, Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. It's been a while, Craig. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Good morning. Uh, we, we spoke with you on a very, very regular basis over the past few years, but again, it yeah, kind of petered off last summer. Uh, so... Technically, and, and devil's advocate here, we, we, mm -hmm. COVID-19, the pandemic, the global pandemic is over. So why do we need another booster? Yeah, so this has now moved into a, a true endemic disease. And, and, you know, the, the words sometimes sound scary, but this is, you know, a, another one of these seasonal viruses that we're going to see in Canada really for the foreseeable future. We don't see this thing disappearing. Uh, our wastewater monitoring says it's still here. And we know last year that cases went up and hospitalizations went up in the fall. And the best way to avoid that, just as we do with the influenza virus, is a public vaccine campaign in the fall as we move back indoors and winter sets in here in Calgary. Dr. Janney, we know there were different variants. So mm -hmm. what's what about the next booster? How do they even know what's coming or which one to aim for? Do you try and cover all of them? What does it look like? Yeah, no, I mean, we don't have to cover all of them. We, we know that as this virus has continued to change, different variants have become dominant. And, and they're monitoring that globally, just as we do with influenza. So every year we make a decision about what strain is most likely 
likely to be the problem in North America or in Canada, and those strains become the basis of the vaccine. Now, in 2020, we didn't have a coronavirus vaccine available, so it took a while to make the very first coronavirus vaccine. Now that we know how they work and how well they work, it's pretty simple to actually replace the target in that vaccine with the strain that's out there today or the variant that's out there today. So this is very much how we do our, our seasonal influenza shots. We'll wait uh, you know, another week or two before we decide what will be the strain in the fall, and we can gear up manufacturing between now and, and September, October. All right, I've got a question in that same vein. Mm-hmm. Excuse the pun, you guys. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's an interesting one here uh, because we uh, rolled out the original vaccines and we had all of these different vaccine types. Yeah. Um, so this uh, text, or no name attributed, uh, gives the name of the different ones that, that they've had. Do we know what type of vaccines that will be presented to us? will be the mRNA vaccines, which really, when we looked at the numbers head-to-head, were the better working vaccines for the, for the first three years of this uh, pandemic or, or now endemic. We, we know that those were the better ones, but not everybody tolerated them well, so there will be some options. Uh, in Canada, we have a number of vaccine platforms approved, so it, it really is the perfect opportunity, again, talk to your own personal health care provider and determine which one is best for you. Some of those protein ones may not have the same variation as the mRNA, but the other one we have learned, and the, the data is very clear on that, is that the vaccine does not have to be actually matched to the variant. That if you get boosted even today with the original va- vaccine formulation, you get really good immunity for several months after that boost. So mm-hmm. it's more of how, how recent was your, your, your vaccination as opposed to what specific variant were you vaccinated for? We hear this question a lot or this statement a lot when people get a flu shot, that they Mm. got the flu from getting a flu shot. And we know it's not possible because there's nothing live in that shot. So I'm wondering, is this similar? Jim says, my wife and I recently received booster shots and were violently ill. Never happened before. So I'm not getting any more shots. Yeah, so, so again, these are the times to, to, to talk to your health provider because perhaps a different formulation is better for the individual. But you're absolutely right. There is no virus in these vaccines. There's literally one protein of the virus in there. So you can't actually get uh, infected from the vaccine. But you, the, the, the reason why we actually feel sick when a virus infects us is very seldom to do with the virus and more to do with our immune system. Things like fever and ache, those are our immune system fighting the virus or at least gearing up to fight the virus. So a good vaccine will often give you some effect where, where you feel your immune system kick in. And that's actually the memory getting either built or boosted by the vaccine. Mm. Dr. So, sorry, so not a bad thing then? Not a bad thing. Well, you know, if it gets really bad, absolutely go talk to your healthcare professional. But, you know, expect to feel a little sore, a, a little perhaps feverish, and, and definitely a little tired for a day or two. Okay. Uh, Dr. Jenny, we were in such a pattern for so long. I, sometimes even to this day, I reach for a mask that isn't there. I don't yeah. need a mask. Uh, but even with the tests, we did so yep. many home tests. In 2023, in July of 2023, if I'm sick, if I feel flu-like, is it even worth my while or is there any benefit of taking a COVID-19 test? So, you know, there will still be some situations. If, for example, you're going to go visit a, a senior's home and, and or a population of individuals who are really at risk, it's probably a good idea. Although, if you can avoid it altogether, whether it's COVID or whether it's the flu, we probably don't want to be bringing infectious diseases into to situations like that anyway. Um, so, so there's perhaps a little less use for the testing, but the masks remain effective. And, for example, even now when I fly, sometimes, you know, if there's people on the plane near me coughing, 
I'll put on my mask and, and you know, I've been pretty fortunate with travel that I don't spend uh, my time in another city uh, laid up in my hotel room feeling pretty ill. We know they can combine some vaccines. We see it with the kids, right? They get different shots that are, are combined. Will they ever be able to conv- combine the flu and the COVID booster, do you think? Yeah, so we're not there yet. And the reason for that is it's just the vaccines are different formulations, different storage conditions. I, I know they're working on, on more common platforms where these could perhaps be combined. What can be combined is you can receive both doses at the same time. So you can go make an appointment with your doctor or your pharmacist and get both the flu shot and the, the COVID-19 shot at the same time. Unfortunately, they just won't be in the same needle yet. And, and for people uh, like, like, like yeah. kids, that's still a bit of a problem to convince them not only to get their one shot of the flu <laughs> in the fall, but, you know, double ice cream. I, I'm just wondering. <laughs> Bribery will get um, you everywhere. As, as a professional in your field, Uh, Can you explain or give us any kind of an indication of of how the whole vaccine process or, you know, these diseases that we did not know anything about or these viruses, how has COVID-19 and the global pandemic changed that? Have we seen advancements that we've learned that is going to be propelling us forward in in future years for perhaps future pandemics? What have you seen? Absolutely. We're seeing a very big global push right now and and a strong effort here in Canada to build what we would refer to as vaccine platforms. So, uh, imagine it as plug-and-play technology where we have the formulation for the vaccine figured out and we just have to put in that one tiny piece of the virus. And that tiny piece of the virus, so even with COVID-19, from the time the first patient was sick to the time the world knew the, the full genetic sequence of the virus was a matter of weeks. So we're really good now at picking up something new, you know, a, a, in a village somewhere around the world that that there's a disease we hadn't seen before. Within a matter of weeks, we can get the full genetic sequence, and then it's a bit of detective work to pick which piece of that virus to stick in to these open platforms. And and that's going to really enable us moving forward to hopefully avoid one of these four, five, six-month lag in a detection of a new disease and getting those first vaccines out. You've always been very calming and the voice of reason. Thanks so much for joining us once again. My pleasure, guys. Take care. You too. Craig Jenny, Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. Do you have questions about mental health services and supports available in Calgary? Don't be shy. We don't even have to use your name. If you have a question, send it in. We'll ask it because we have mental health advocate Karen Gallagher-Burt here with us, and she has the answers that we need. Hello to you. Good morning. I hope I have the answers. I've had no coffee yet. Well, that's fair. (laughs) But I do know that you have the expertise to find the answers, even if somebody has a question that maybe the three of us, you know, are stumped on. So mental health services and supports let's kind of get into the basics of it what does it look like for us right here are we do we have good supports in the city of calgary and and surrounding you know southern alberta i think we have okay supports um i think they're very spread out and they are difficult to find for people so you can start with your kind of ahs stuff that's you know everyone can access but those ones there those services predominantly are very difficult to get into quickly Um, They're there, but sometimes it can take a long time for referral. Uh, And then below that, you kind of have what's available private, which can be quite expensive. Mm. And then the not-for-profit sphere, there's quite a few, but once again, capacity can be an issue, although there are a number that can take folks in, say, for counselling very quickly. I want to ask you one, if, if I can, Karen, because so often we speak with you or other experts in your field, and when we're tac- tackling mental health, it could, could be something historically that you, 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 you've lived with your whole life or a family thing that's been passed down to you, unfortunately. It could be, you know, stress, addiction, abuse. 
is it possible that I might need to talk to a mental health advocate and get some support just because maybe I'm working two jobs, I'm volunteering, I have kids, and things are great, everything is great, but I'm just burning the candle at four ends, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I can't cope anymore. Do you ever talk to people who have exhaustion, perhaps, or just have too much 100%. on their plate? 100%, because honestly, when you think about our lifestyles nowadays... Um, it's almost the answer. Instead of saying, how are you? I'm fine. We say, oh, I'm so busy. And that's become a new language for us. And it has connotations of being successful when reality is it's connotations of being, um, not taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. and not looking after those things. So hundred percent. Actually, I think that's a lot of what we see right now is folks that they function fairly well for a long period of time. And then pandemic brought on some extra stress. Um, we see things like layoffs happening right now. Lots of companies cutting 20% of staff. Um, mergers happening between communication companies. Mm. And you see all these folks coming out and there's so much fear and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that anxiety, whether it's a healthy level, because some, some stress is good. Like the stress you get before you compete in a sports, great stress. The, the stress before an exam, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, some stress is good for us. But when it gets to that point where it's so high, and you're not either sleeping well, eating well. Again, almost like the suicide conversation, the behaviors are observable by other people particularly, and it's time maybe to take a look. I always say start with doctor. Doctor first, um, make sure there's nothing physically wrong. Mm. Um, And then once you've done that one, have that conversation. I'm not sleeping well, I'm eating too much, I'm not eating enough, um, I'm living on junk food, and then start talking about, okay, what are the things I can change? Mm -hmm. And... And I think from there, then you consider, do I need some outside help? And it doesn't always have to be a professional. Sometimes it can be someone in your family. Sometimes if you have a faith-based room around you, then you can choose an imam, you can choose um, a rabbi, whatever it might be to talk to. Um, But I think it's good to have someone at various times in our lives. And it's not necessarily the people closest to you that are the best, right? Because they're sometimes the hardest to see to help you see clearly, because they, they love us. They just want the best, right? So they yeah. may not. Um, curious as to, and I think this was something that happened through the pandemic, there were a lot of free services. Mm-hmm. Is that still an option and availability? There are still quite a few free services. So again, AHS is there. Um, organizations like Distress Center, we have the crisis lines, but we have professional counselors as well that we can bring folks in. We do four to six um, counseling sessions, all free. Uh, Places like uh, Calgary Counseling Center, theirs is a sliding scale. But if all you can afford is five bucks, that's okay. Uh, and you can get in both of those. We have no wait list at Distress Center. You can get in usually within two to three business days to see. And you can do it in person. You can do it on a telephone. And you can do it online. Okay, well, that's great to know. Yeah. Well, that's a great one there. I want to ask you this because as we're getting some text in, 403-974-8255, uh, we, when we talked to Dr. J, uh, Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician and other doctors, they've talked about perhaps uh, prescribing physical exercise, uh, you know, for, for a physical. Uh, but mental, uh, the connection you mentioned, maybe you're not getting enough physical exercise. Yeah. In your practice and in, in within your field, do you see people prescribing, taking a walk, maybe going for a swim, joining a gym? hundred percent. When you think about, I actually don't like when we use the term mental health. I just think we should talk health. Yeah. Um, Because. But then it doesn't, but people don't get the same connotation, right? They don't get the same connotation and they don't, No, people don't, unless you've experienced it, it's very difficult to understand mental pain um, and what that looks like. So for me, what's magical is that exercise, number one, if you can get it out and do it in the day, 
morning walk. You got sun, which is good. You got some movement. And when we move, it's like rhythmic. And, and that really can be meditative. So anything you can do yourself first. I always say start with the lowest invasive. Start with, am I eating right? Am I sleeping right? Um, can, am I getting some exercise, even if it's 15 minutes a day? Um, and with those things you're doing well and you're still not feeling well, take it up a notch. I've got a couple of things in here. Uh, one texture, I won't use names just because. Um, one texture says, I see a lot of hair thinning and falling out due to uh, the sympathetic nervous system firing 24-7 right now because mm-hmm. there's a lot going on. You know, worry, anxiety, that sort of thing. And notices that this person is wearing a mask. You know, and so there are, you, when you can see yeah. it in yourself, yeah. you know, that's time maybe to reach out and, and yeah. get a little bit of help. There's nothing wrong with that. And then no. another person saying, I, I don't think my youth who has ADHD gets enough sleep, but seems energized throughout the, the day. Should I be concerned about that? Oh, teenagers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ADHD, that's a whole other ballgame. It's a whole it? other ballgame. And, and I would say with that one, you, number, you have to start with a doctor because if they're on medication, that can be part of it. Yeah. Um, I myself have ADHD and I take my Vivance every morning and that allows me to, to work well. Teenagers tend to run on empty and then they collapse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big believer high school shouldn't start till 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't fit for our kids, um, their health and their habits. I think you have to pay attention to it. My, my feeling is you can't tell your youth what to do in terms of sleep. But what you can do is create some boundaries around... Turn the Wi-Fi uh, off at one, Wi-Fi off, two, yeah. Whatever, it works for you and your family. Yeah, Wi-Fi off. Or in our house, no devices go in bedrooms. Yeah. They have to stay out of the bedrooms. And then we have, when our son was younger, we used to have the Wi-Fi set shut off at 10 o'clock at night. Because yep. otherwise, he'd be up at 2 gaming. Mine. Wow. Some, some great points, some yep. timely points. And I think, as per a lot of our conversations, Karen, it's getting that start. Yeah. You know, that first uh, step of the 1,000-mile uh, journey. Thank you so much for your time. And... Uh, and we'll see you next time around. Always. Thank you. Karen Gallagher-Burt, mental health advocate and social worker. It works at the Distress Center. You can find out more about what she does also at distresscenter.com. And a crisis chat and text available 24 hours a day, by the way, 403-266-HELP.